right, well guys, thank you. We are excited to start this new series uh, entitled, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of neighboring. And that's what we're going to look at over the next five weeks. And this morning, we're actually going to start with really the most important passage on neighboring. You see, uh, Jesus in the New Testament um, was, was uh, being questioned by some people. Uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes all gathered around him, and they decided to test him. They wanted to catch him in a trap. And so the, the, the Pharisees asked him, hey, should we, should we give and pay taxes to Caesar? And, 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 and they thought they'd catch him because if Jesus said, yes, pay taxes to Caesar, then the Jews would say he's not honoring God. And if he said, no, uh, you just honor, uh, honor God, then, then they're going to say, they're going to go to the Romans, be like, hey, he doesn't pay taxes. And so then he'd be in trouble. And so he says, I say, you give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God. What is God's? And they're stumped. And then the Sadducees come to Jesus and they, they ask him this ridiculous question about the resurrection. A woman is married to, to a, a man that has seven brothers and, and one dies and the other dies and the other dies. Who's she married to in the resurrection? He's like, you guys don't even believe in the resurrection. Why are we having this conversation? And uh, he's like, you guys don't understand it. And, and again, he silences them. And so then after that, here is what the scripture says in Matthew uh, 22 uh, that happens. It says this. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. The teacher uh, asked a question uh, to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to them, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, of your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. And so uh, this morning, I, I just want to, I want us to focus on Jesus' response to this question, what is the greatest commandment? Because I think there's a lot that we can learn. Two really important things. Two really important things. Here's the first thing I would tell you. This, this commandment by Jesus, this answer by Jesus means that we cannot love God if we do not love our neighbor. Let's personalize that. Ready? Write this down. You cannot love God if you do not love your neighbor. So Jesus is asked a question. It's straightforward. What is the greatest of all the commands? Now, you need to understand this is a big question, right? Uh, this expert in the law knows that they have 613 commandments in the Bible. That they have separated those commandments into positive commandments and into negative commandments. The things you should do and the things you shouldn't do. On top of that, those are then separated into major commandments and minor commandments. And so they're literally saying, Lord, of all of these, which one's the most important? And so Jesus answered them. Now, he answers them by quoting something that they should know because they should pray this every day according to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's called the Shema. Uh, every day Jews were supposed to pray, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Right? This is what they're supposed to pray every day. So Jesus quotes the Shema. Right? And, and he's completely correct. But guess what? He doesn't stop there. See, see, Jesus goes further. Now, I want you to notice, he doesn't have to. He has correctly answered their question, but Jesus instead chooses to go further by adding, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So the question for us is, why does Jesus go further? Why does Jesus intentionally go further than what is asked. He's asked for what the greatest command is. He chooses to go further. He does it on purpose 
So our question is, why does Jesus go further? Here's why. Ready? Because he wants the audience and he wants us to understand that these two commandments are inseparable. That these two commandments are inseparable. Right? This is, this is what John, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, picked up on in, in 1 John, in his epistle, uh, 1 John 4, uh, verse 20. He says, if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. See, what John is saying is like, listen guys, you, you can't show up and, and come to church. You, you can't come and, and worship God and say that you love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and then leave your place of worship and hate the other people you see. You can't have contempt for other people when you say that you love God. Those two things don't work. He picked up on what Jesus is saying. These two commandments are inseparable, right? Think about this with me. How do others see my love for God and God's love for them? Think about it. How how does someone know that you love God? And, and, and how do they know that God loves them? And the answer is, well, through my love for them. Through your love for them. John Piper says this, he says, So loving others is the outward manifestation, the visible expression, the practical demonstration, and therefore the fulfillment of what the Old Testament is about. So there is a sense in which the second commandment to love your neighbor is the visible goal of the whole word of God. That is what Jesus means when he says, I'm telling you, all of the Bible rests on these two things. Why? Because our love for our neighbor is the outward expression of the fact that we love God and that we know God. It is how the world will know that there is a God that loves them and cares about them. So this is of extreme importance. Okay? The series we're going to do, we're going to spend the next five weeks together. This is of utmost importance. Which brings me to our second truth this morning. This is a problem. I want you to know, guys, because we are inherently selfish, there is no way to love our neighbor as ourself unless we love God first. Okay? This is the connection. These are inseparable. Because we are inherently selfish, there is no way to love our neighbor as ourselves unless we love God first. And so immediately uh, when Jesus speaks this, we're threatened. Amen? Right? I mean, because he said, he said, what is the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Cool. Got it. And he says, and the next is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when Jesus says, as yourself, like the crowd immediately senses the same thing that we sense. When he says, as yourself, what he really means is instead of yourself. And for selfish people, at our core, that's who we are. This is a great threat. It poses a great threat to me because it means that I've got to love somebody in place of what I want in place of what I desire. And that's why we stink at living out this command. Right? That's why it's so important that we, we understand our need to love God first. So here are some terms I'm going to throw out for you. You might want to write them down if you're taking notes. But a few terms we need to think of, right? So we're talking about neighbor love. So that's one term. Like I've got to love my neighbor rightly. So that's one term. But two other terms. I want you to think about the word self-love. Right? Self-love. 
and, and, and we'll get into the depths of that in a second, but I'm called to love my neighbor as myself, so that's got to be right, okay? If I'm going to love my, my neighbor properly, I've got to love myself rightly. Uh, we don't. We love ourselves wrongly. We elevate ourselves. We're selfish, so, so something has to happen, right? And then the third term I want you to think of is first love. Is first love. See, the Bible all throughout talks about the fact that our love for God should be our, our first love. It should be above and beyond every other love we have in our life. In fact, Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation, and he says this. He says, but I hold this against you. You have abandoned the love you had when? At, at first. He says, you've abandoned your, your first love. So he says, what do you do? Remember how far you've fallen? Remember when you used to love me first? He says, repent and do the things you did at first. Do the works you did. Otherwise, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So this first love is of huge importance. In fact, it's so important that Jesus, when he teaches his most famous sermon, he, he tells people this in Matthew 6.33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Loving God must be our first priority. You say, why? Well, here's why. Ready? Remember, people are going to experience the love of God through us. Right? So through the way that we, we love them. We have a problem because we're selfish. So here, here is our problem. All right? this, this inherent selfishness. Guys, we all have deep idols. Now, you may think, no, I don't. I don't have any deep idols. I, I don't even, I, those passages don't even make sense to me. When, why is that in the Ten Commandments? When it says, don't make an idol for yourself. Because God knows us, and we do that. And, and so we're, we're, we're pretty aware of our surface-level idols. So like in America, we might say our surface-level idols are, are, are like money and, and fame. Uh, you could say possessions, uh, relationships, right? Our, our children are often, there's a whole thing there. Um, but so it, we can identify kind of the surface-level stuff that we care about, that keeps us up at night, that we worry about. That's pretty easy. The problem is that behind those things that we would call surface idols are deep motivational factors and fears that drive us, right? And so I'm just, I'm just going to pick one this morning, but, but man, you can, you can go in, in, in tons of places. with. But let's talk about the idol of money for a second. Right? So let's just say that um, money is something that we're concerned with. It keeps us up at night. That's not the truth for anybody in this room. Right? You don't have to raise your hands this morning. That's never happened. Right? Never worried about retirement or Social Security. Or, we'd never have any of those fears. Right? I know. So, uh, so let's say that, that's the, that we say, that, yeah, that's, that's somewhat of an idol in my life. So what is the deep idol behind it? Well, ready? So the deep idol behind that may be insecurity. It may be a need to feel secure. Maybe you grew up in a home where you never really knew where the next meal would come from. Or you grew up constantly hearing about how grandma and grandpa lost everything. And they had to live in a camp somewhere and eat sweet potatoes for three years. And, 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 and so you have this, this deep fear in you. And this deep fear in you, whether you realize it or not, has manifested itself into all these surface little things that you chase after. And here's the problem with that. If we don't love God first, if we don't take those broken, and, and, and again, Mr. Rogers, fears, if we don't take those fears to God and allow him to correct them and to heal those hurts, then we will always view our neighbor as a threat 
instead of someone that needs our help. So I'll give you a very real example. This is not political. This is current events. I can honestly say it's not political because this was a problem under the last administration and it's a problem under the current administration. See? Both sides of the aisle. Let's look at the border for a second. See? When we don't have our deep insecurities filled by God, we look at people like that. And, and, and listen, this is, this is crazy. It's irrational. We think that someone who doesn't speak our language, who hasn't had probably uh, the level of education or training for the job that we possess, we think that somehow they're a threat to our financial security, stability, I mean, you name it. I mean, it, man, that's going to affect my retirement, my 401k, my social security, my health care. And, and those irrational fears then drive us to a point that we'll fe we feel threatened by people instead of having a deep desire to see something done for the benefit of other humans that God has made in his own image. Do you guys see how deep this stuff is? This is not, like, like you're like, oh, he got on the little sweater and did the Mr. Rogers thing. This is nice. No. This is, this is some of the, the, the deepest level stuff that we can talk about. And I'm telling you, only when we take those deep fears and security, insecurities to Jesus and let him heal those deep hurts we have. And listen, we all have them. For some of us, it, it, it's a loved one that left us too soon. Right? For, for some, maybe, maybe you were abandoned as a child. Those, those things, like we all have them. And if we don't take those things to Jesus and let Him speak the truth over us about who we are, and if we don't accept that, then we can never love others well. So our self-love, our selfish love, has to become a God-centered love so that we can pour out a neighborly love. Does that make sense? And I'm going to tell you, this is of utmost importance. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about practical ways we can do that. We're going to look at passages in the Bible that you thought, man, I didn't even know that was there. Just practical things we can do to be better neighbors. But what does this text, the second greatest commandment, call us to? Three things, I think. Number one, uh, it calls us to love and to seek God first. Right? To love and to seek God first. First love. First love. It's all throughout the Bible. Seek first the kingdom of God. Remember your first love. Repent. Do the things you did at first. And, and so, uh, guys, this is of huge importance. We, we've got to run to God first. And, and if you're not, I'm just telling you, there's no way that you'll live out the second commandment well. So that's the first thing. Number two, we have to allow God to fulfill uh, all of our deep idols, you could add in insecurities there. Those deep idols create insecurities in us. We have to allow God to fulfill all of those things. Uh, that means that we're going to have to learn what they are. And that takes a little bit of work. And some of you may not want to do the work because it is ugly. Right? Anybody ever like, had to try to get to the bottom of some of the reasons you do stupid stuff in life? Uh, if you've ever been to any kind of counseling, this, this is what you do. They're like, oh, really? So that's a habit you have. Let's talk about that. Um, tell me about your father. And you're like, oh. And you just, you start digging. And the problem when you dig is that you get down into some stuff that's going to make you uncomfortable. But I'm telling you, if you never address the uncomfortable, you can never rise above it. It'll always haunt you. It'll always pull you down. It'll always call you back.
And so we've got to identify that. One of the best resources I have found, uh, I meant to bring it with me. I think it's actually in my office. But it is a book by Timothy Keller, if you're taking notes. By Timothy Keller, it is called Counterfeit Gods. Counterfeit Gods. It is one of my favorite books. Uh, I, I pick it up probably once a year and read through it just to remember, man, I'm dumb. Uh, I really need to be reminded. It's Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller. It's, it's not a long read. The chapters are very, like, you, you could read a chapter a day and knock it out very, very quickly. Uh, but it gets to the heart of these things we're talking about. Guys, we all have surface. And by the way, it's, it, it's fully, like, Bible study. Like, it's all Bible-based. It, it's all like, hey, let's look at Abraham from the Bible, and let's look at the idol that Isaac became, right? Let, let's, let's look at, at, at Jacob, and, and, and let's look at the, the idols in his life. And it's, we're just walking through the biblical text together. It's really, really good. But it gets to the heart of these deep idols I'm talking about, these deep insecurities that we have. And, and listen, idolatry is complex. I think we like to try to simplify it in church and act like it's not, but it's really complex. It's hard to get to the, the root of. So I'm going to challenge you, do that. Do the work to get to the root of the deep idols, the deep insecurities. And then, and then once we're there, here's the last part. Once we're there, then we need to love our neighbor out of the fulfillment and security that God has provided, right? That's the place. That's the place. Because this is one of the reasons it's so important uh, for so many of us that we get back in church. Uh, you guys at home, just one of the reasons that we, we do this again uh, because there was a time that we did this on a regular basis. And, and, and listen, this isn't the answer, but this is certainly part of the equation, Right, and when, when we come together for worship and, and we're taught the Word of God and we sit under that and we can see that, we can see other people are struggling, one of the things that happens is, is we're called to change in a community of believers. We all see it. We all know that we have to change. And, and, and so uh, it, it, it's, it's iron sharpening iron. It's one of the things that's needed so that we can be the light that Jesus has called us to be. By the way, we're very comfortable with Jesus saying that He's the light of the world. But you have to remember the same Jesus points to his disciples and he says, you are the light of the world, right? The world will know that God loves them through you. So my question is, we kind of close out this morning, how loved does the world feel by you? And I'm not just talking about the people that you love right now. I'm talking about the people that you like to look the other way. How loved do they feel by you right now? People that voted for a different candidate. People that live on a different street. People that come from a different country. How loved do they feel by you? Do they know that there's a God that created us all equally in his image? That has a purpose and a plan for their life? Do they see that through you? Do they see that God cares for them through you? Because if they don't, it's a sign. Listen, if we are threatened by other people, it is a sign that we have insecurities that we have not taken to the Lord. Love God first. Love people second. By the way, that's kind of in the motto of the church. Love God. Love people. Do something. Let me pray for us this morning. Catherine's got a couple quick announcements. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to gather and to talk about your truth and your word, which is good, you have called us, um, you've called us to love people and to love them well. You've chosen us above all creation to be the messengers of the gospel. May we stop getting in the way of the good news because we refuse to deal 
with the deep insecurities in our own life. God, help us seek you out in these issues. Help us seek you first. Help us love you first more than anything else this world has to offer. Help us find complete fulfillment in you, knowing that you uh, say, look at the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. The birds don't store away. The, the, the lilies don't, don't, don't produce their own clothes. But I'm telling you, Solomon and all of his splendor hasn't been clothed like this. God, remind us that you fulfill every need we have. And as we're fulfilled, and as all of those fears pass away, let us go be a light into the world as we love those you put in our path. God, this week, when we're faced with an opportunity, may we not be the people that choose to walk on the other side of the street. In Jesus' name we pray.